Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 704 Forecast. I'm your host, Matt Wood. Joining me as always, Corey Adams and Wesley Harrison. Guys, just like we thought, be some more Panthers news this week. How are you guys doing? Absolutely fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. I cannot stress to you enough how happy these past few days have made me as a Panthers fan. I percent agree. We talked about how much a Reich-Vic-Fangio pairing would, would make us happy, and I think this is pretty much just as good. So um, it's it's a, a great day to be a Panthers fan, to hear, hear to get this news and to hear how ownership and um, really everyone in the building is talking right now. It just sounds like a much more smart operation than it has been for the past three, four years. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And like you guys mentioned, uh, the reason for your excitement is the hiring of Ajiro Evero at defensive coordinator. We'll break that down later in the show. I'll let Corey uh, kind of talk a little bit about the Vic Fangio style defense that he has uh, and what to look for on what uh, Jiro does well as a defensive coordinator. But before we get into that, you guys just kind of expressed your feelings and how happy you are with the direction of this franchise and how it's headed. Does that mean that David Tepper's reeling you guys back in a little bit? A little bit. There's one to two more things he can really do here to, to um, send that home uh, personnel wise and, and player wise. But yeah, I, I, he's, he's, correcting the mistakes of the Matt rule era. I'm not, I'm still not going to act like it hasn't, it didn't happen. We're, we're a little bit away from that, but just bring, bring me a couple pieces, bring me the right offensive coordinator and uh, go do what we want you to do in the draft. And then I might just forget that the Matt rule era ever happened. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you hear people when Matt rule or sorry, when uh, David Tepper first bought the team, I think we were all so excited about, hey, this is like, you know, for a time period, he was the richest owner in the NFL. Then the Waltons came in, but he's the second richest owner in the NFL and all the possibilities that opens up to you as a franchise. Um, but then you had people, smart, smarter people than us saying, hey, you know, it takes time for people and owners to learn how to own, um, learn how to be an NFL owner and how to make the right decisions. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of us, looked past that because we were just so excited for something new. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing is it, it's been a process for him learning how to own, learning how to run a team and learning how to make the proper decisions that are best for the team. Um, and I really start starting to think that he's coming into that uh, a little bit. And he started to face harder questions about himself and his style. And I think he's learning those lessons in front of our eyes. Um, and I'm here for it. Um, you know, the Pagulas up in Buffalo, they weren't always great when they first took over. It, it took them time. It, it was a learning curve, a learning process. So um, he's made all the all the proper moves this offseason. Um, and I think you might, you might have a portion of the fan base that's going to be, you know, screw David Tepper for forever. Um, but he is starting to win over, I would say, the more in-tune fans within the base so it's all positives yeah we got some adults in that locker room on that coaching staff again you know there's there's three guys thus far uh, on the coaching staff who have won super bowls you know stuff like that matters you know you talk about building the environment and you know setting expectations those guys know what it what it takes to get to that level and 
you know, you, it's hard for the, you know, those guys in the locker room to look at somebody who's, who's telling you like, Hey, you know, this isn't going to cut it. And you can't just brush that stuff off, you know, coming from a, a Deuce Daly or, a, um, you know, two guys here with, with Frank Reich and, and the Jiro Evero who have won Super Bowls as, as coaches, you know, stuff like that matters and, and setting the attitude in the locker room. And I, I think with what we've kind of assembled so far, you know, it, for anybody who, you know, was pounding the table for Steve Wilkes because of, of how he got that locker room together. Uh, the staff's doing okay there too. Yeah, ask yourself, and this is a tough question for some of those uh, Wilkes wagon people, ask yourself, where would we be at this point with Wilkes? We still wouldn't have an offensive coordinator because Brian Johnson, we'd still be waiting on that. He, everybody knows he was sticking with Al Holcomb. All right, Al Holcomb isn't in the top. I would say Al Holcomb's in not above twenty fifth in the league as a, as a defensive coordinator. We have a legitimate top three defensive coordinator, a legitimate top three to four. I would say top top five, no questions asked, but top five defensive coordinator in this league now to pair with Reich and what he's his plan as an offense. That doesn't happen with Wilkes. All right. It, it doesn't. And we might still have the same guy Wilkes wanted as offensive coordinator coming in here in you know next week. Um so that's the only that's the only that's the the only reason I don't think that there's been an offensive coordinator named yet is because they are waiting for someone on the Eagles or Chiefs staff. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say is with with the Super Bowl experiences, we could have more because I, I, I to that point, I think we're waiting on something, some domino to fall this week. And I think it's more on the Eagles side with with um, Brian. But I, I just I. I don't because yeah, I don't I don't see the enemy coming to be the, the OC there. But so uh, but point being is this staff is more experienced than what Wilkes would have put together. It's more experienced than any staff we've had in the last three years. And it's headed in the right direction. To touch on uh, what you guys just mentioned with the Eagles staff, I, I think uh, Brian Johnson and Kevin Petulo are probably the two names that stand out. Uh, and then we haven't really got any feedback on the Jim Bob, Bob Cooter uh, interview. Two different directions you can go here. I mean, if you go with the Brian Johnson, most likely Frank is turning over play calling duties or, you know, he's still getting the same input. Uh, if you go with uh, somebody like Jim Bob, then, you know, Frank's Frank's running that show. But uh, to touch on, on this one more point is that Dave Tepper's showing that he will, he'll put the money out there that's necessary to build that staff. You know, I think that, you know, his pride was a little bit hurt from the from the jokes and the, you know, the backlash from from the last regime. Uh, so I, I think he's le he learned what he did wrong, and I think he's kind of admitted that if you listen to a couple of the press conferences. But also, for anybody who's saying that, you know, all you know, Tepper's got to get his guy or he's got to do things his his way. If you had read the article that Albert Brewer put out today, David Tepper he reserved his opinion on who the coach should be till after getting feedback from the other members of the interview committee. So going through that, that whole process um, at the end, he asked the other members to rank their candidates one through four. 
and Frank Reich said at the top of every single person's list. And it was at that decision that Dave was like, well, this, this is pretty obvious now. And that's how the decision was made. So just for, let's just repeat what Matt just said. David Tepper let every single person in the interview involved in the interview process rank their top candidates without putting or giving any input into that process. But some people want to tell me that he's this evil Jerry Jones type of owner. That's not what Jerry Jones would have done. And, and two, it shows the whole point that, that you were making earlier about Tep, um, how different this process was than the last, because the last one just seemed like he panicked and made a high offer because he thought the Giants were going to end up taking in and swooping his favorite candidate, even though the process wasn't really fully fleshed out yet. And, and I mean, he's this is growth. And I remember a lot of people making jokes about them expanding the search after Scott said it wouldn't be a, a very lengthy list. Uh, in that same article, it came out that their original list before the season ended, it was Jim Caldwell, Mike Kafka, Ben Johnson, Shane Steichen, and Steve Wilkes. And then late in the season, they decided to circle back around the Frank. Scott made some calls out to Indianapolis with uh, Chris Ballard and got some other feedback. Um, from previous GMs that Frank had worked with, and they said, "Yeah, this guy's legit. You need to look into him." And that's kind of that kind of started the the ball rolling there. And then early in the interview process, if you notice, they interviewed the veteran guys first, and they kind of grouped all the uh, young OCs later through the process. So Jim Caldwell went first. Interview went well. Same thing with Steve Wilkes, Frank Reich. Even more that caused them to kind of reevaluate things. You know, still try to get that veteran leadership, that veteran coaching um, history with how it was with Steve Wilkes, somebody who's been around, you know, not an offensive coordinator who has, you know, X amount of years. And I think that kind of became a little bit easier when Ben Johnson removed his name from the search. Um, you know, that, that kind of helped things a little bit more, but they circled back around to Frank because he brought the best of both. They still want an offensive minded guy, but they wanted somebody who, you know, has that, that previous history. So and to say that, you know, Tepper didn't want to hire Wilkes because of X, Y, and Z, you know, they, I, I hope you don't feel that way now um, with the facts actually starting to come out. So interesting article, I think, uh, like I said, check it out today. And it's like it's a joint effort, like it would have should have been. It's not just one man saying, I want this or I want that. It was a group, group think, which was – very positive because Dan Morgan's involved in that process. Scott Fitter's involved in that process. Samir Suleiman's involved in that process. All right. So whatever narratives are out there that credentialed media people are, are pushing just isn't the case. <laughs> I mean, sorry, had to throw a jab. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> one more thing and I'll throw it off of you guys and then we'll uh we'll get into the defensive uh higher. But this this year is setting up to scream Dave Tepper giving the fans what they've asked for, right? Like they wanted a, a, a top notch staff. He's he's doing exactly that. He's you know, he's not pounding the table and saying we're doing things my way. Like it's, it's it sure looks like it's setting up for 
Scott and company to make a move up to potentially number one and get that quarterback that everybody's been wanting, including Dave himself. They're either throwing some insane smoke screens, making everyone think they're going to do that, or we're actually finally going to get it. And I'm, I think I'm going to be really mad if it's the first, if it's the former, um, because it's, I mean, there's been things said by both sides. Um, Scott has always been a drop in a rookie quarterback type of mentality. He said that multiple times. Um, they think that they've built the right defense to now make it fun. Basically in the draft, I think he said a flashy, what was it? I think the word was flashy. Is that right? That he used earlier in the off season. So I just, it seems to be setting up for that. We've been hurt before. So <laughs> There's, there's, it doesn't look like there's a, a defensive player that we could potentially make them make I'm, that mistake on. I'm Ty- sure that, that least, I'm sure at least one of these three guys will be one of us. OOU enough for Scott and company. <laughs> I'm sorry, Justin Fields, you're just not OOU enough. My bad. I got, I got to get an emoji to add on to that. Good God. Oh, man. Yeah. It, <laughs> that rule never ceases to amaze me. Uh, how long do we think it takes for this lawsuit to get resolved? To, not to get us completely off subject. <laughs> Matt Rule is just such a polarizing topic for all three of us. Nah, the man just, he thought he'd get outsmart one of the richest guys in the world. It's kind of what he's trying to do with backloading that contract and everything. I don't know. It's going to end up going to court arbitration hearings and all of this mess. Like it's, it'll probably be a settlement out of court. They'll meet in the middle somewhere. I mean, I don't know. Not don't know about the, about the legal matters. I just know Matt rule can't coach. So Nebraska will be going through this similar situation here in about three or four years. I just can't wait for the the whooping that Colorado's about to put on them in week two. At primetime's going to love that. Be a proper welcome back to college football for Matt Rule and company. Maybe he'll he'll line up some media appearance throughout the season and talk about the sixty three to ten ass whippings that's coming his way. But I don't never had beef with Nebraska until now. No, just they they because they haven't been relevant. In our lifetime, they really haven't. Well, it sucks because, like, the mid nineties. You know, the, the the yeah, the last time was the late nineties, two thousand. I root. I, I I've I've kind of like rooted from them from a distance because I love Will Compton so much and Bussin, but just <laughs> fuck Nebraska for, for as long as Matt Rule's there. <laughs> I feel like you're you're still searching to find a college team ever since Bobby got did dirty down there. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I love college football. Don't get it twisted. It, I, I absolutely am infatuated with college football, but I just, I like a couple teams in every conference that I'll pull for over certain other teams. I'm just a weird fan. Now, uh, on that same subject, I mean, Nebraska was about the most desperate team that was willing to sell their soul for him. It's a, it's, a, it's a match made in heaven. They're trying to get a guy who can bring them back to national prominence. And that's his whole stick, right? Like, you know, hey, it takes time. We're going to build this up, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's music to their ears. I mean, we were the problem, not him. 
we just we cannot keep letting this narcissistic little child live rent free in our heads anymore like we've just got to move on at some point <laughs> and i don't know unfortunately when that's going to happen for me we're talking through it the first it's, part the first step of is admitting you have a problem the second we trade up and draft cj stroud i'm i'm over it it does the, the, the matt rule era never happened it's just i need i need the offensive coordinator to to be to be a good one and i think it will be because the process has been great so far and I need to go get that. I need to see that quarterback drafted. And then I'm like, all right, Panthers football just kind of didn't happen from 2020 to 2023 then. Just didn't happen. Hmm. We're working through things. <laughs> only three months, man. Only we're, three. we're working through some stuff over here. It's, we're, we're dealing with grief. The same way anybody else would. We're at this <laughs> one long month. Goodness. Let's 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 transition here a little bit. Before we get into the Ijiro Evero hire defensive coordinator, here's a word from our sponsor. Super Bowl 57 is this weekend. And if you want to get on the action, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. to see what prop bet will be boosted. So if you want to get on the action before Super Bowl 57, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. All right, so Sunday afternoon, word broke that Ajiro Evero had been named defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. He was uh, supposed to interview with the Minnesota Vikings. He had a previous connection with Kevin O'Connell, the current Vikings head coach from his time in L.A. with the Rams, but ultimately settled on Carolina Panthers. Uh, word broke, what was that, early Sunday, late Saturday night, that it was an appealing uh, situation for him, and there was interest on both sides. I think Jonathan Jones said that Carolina's interest uh, was uh, growing. So – uh, man, Corey, I know that you have been talking about this for the last 24 hours, at least 48 hours since Saturday, um, about the possibility of adding this guy to our staff. I'll let you uh, kind of take it from here and, and give us a little bit of background on Ajiro Evero. Yeah, and so this one was a little bit different because, you know, he, he technically wasn't available until literally Peyton was hired and then he still wasn't available. Nobody knew it was kind of in flux. Is he going to retain him? Is he not? So I had no idea that, that he would even come available. Um, that being said, I think Mike K was the first one to report that it was real. Like this was this was a real possibility. Um, so he's he's been great this since he's came here. Um, he's he's been spot on on a lot of things. So give him a follow. Um, but. The news broke. I jumped through my roof, ran around the house, did a dance. It's absolutely amazing. So I want to get into a little bit without being too long-winded or too – I don't want to use a condescending term like over some people's heads. That's not what I want to – I'm not trying to build myself up as some guru. Um, but this is a defensive system that I've spent quite a bit of time studying and reading about. Um, you know, not just 
watching highlights or playing Madden. Like I don't, I don't play Madden, but that's beside the point. Um, but the Fangio system um, and all its branches um, is something that's fascinated me for about a year now um, as a defensive coordinator at a, at a lower level, obviously, but um, I've, I'm fascinated by, it. I, I love reading about it. I love studying about it. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the scheme and what Panthers fans can expect. I tweeted out the other night because once the Giro stuff started to roll, you see a lot of people like, eh, I don't understand how we're going to work with a three, four and like all this. And I think that what fans need to understand is, and is exactly what I tweeted. This is not like the old school. This is not your daddy's three, four. This is not, you know, two fours and a nose. All right. It's not, old school this is kind of a new wave of multiple defense and that's the key word multiple all right um and there's two components to every defense this is the front and then the coverage i want to start with the front all right and the front is your defensive line and your interior linebackers right the, you know the front portion of the defense the stack box all right it, yes, we will probably more than likely base out of a quote-unquote 3-4, but when you look at Fangio, when you look at Staley, when you look at Ejiro, and it's important to note that Ejiro worked with Fangio in San Francisco and then spent a lot of time with Staley, um, Wade Phillips. So it, this is not, hey, I'm exactly carbon copy of Staley or Fangio. All right. It's got many layers and many branches and each of those individuals have their own little, you know, spins on it, but it all boils down to being very, very multiple. And the word that I like to use is not static. All right. In today's NFL, if you present a static defense, you're just going to get beat. Offenses are too good. Now um, there is so many, if then statements with coverages, with fronts, so if you present a pre-snap look and that's the look you give post-snap, you know, offenses know how to beat cover three. Offenses know how to beat cover two. Offenses know how to beat quarters. Offenses know how to beat um, under fronts. Offenses know how to beat over fronts. I mean, they're so, they're, they're so good on the offensive side of the ball now that you cannot afford to sit in one spot and present a look pre-snap and stay in that look post-snap. All right, so – Circling back around to the front, all right, what are we going to be? We're going to be everything that you could possibly imagine under the sun. Uh, Fangio and uh, Ijiro and Staley all use the tight front, um, which is you see at Baylor, you see it in uh, a lot in the Big 12. It's making its way into you know all over the country now. Um, Kirby at Georgia uses the tight front a lot in, in his mint package. You're going to have two – Two guys inside eye of the tackle and a nose. Um, linebackers walked up um, five one five D five technically D lineman that you would look on the TV and see as D lineman. It might be a stand up linebacker and then one stand up linebacker in the middle. Um, you're gonna have two D linemen down and then you know four stand up guys. It's gonna be uh, so multiple. It's gonna be so wild to see from what we're used to that it's going to be a real shocker if you're really paying attention to the personnel and who's standing up and who's off and who's not. Um, 
constantly moving. Like Burns might line up on the center. Burns might line up on the guard. Um, he's going to create one-on-ones with with the D lineman and, and and move them around into multiple positions for whatever is the best matchup on on the offensive line. Um, it's 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 really fun and it's really fascinating to watch. Um, and then the front, obviously, the complement to the front in the most vital portion of the defensive system and the defensive tree is the coverage. All right, um, and this is where multiplicity and not being static really comes into play. Um, I'd say 75% of the NFL is still what's called middle of the field closed coverage. So you're going to have one high safety middle of the field. Um, Fangio, Staley, and Ajiro are all basing out of the two high safety look. Um, And when you see two high, two high safeties, one on each hash, it gives a certain pre-snap look of it could be quarters, it could be cover two, it could be any of those things, but it's going to rotate. Just because we're in too high doesn't mean we're not, we're going to stay that way post-snap. With offenses going to so much play action nowadays, it is so important that when that quarterback turns his back to the to the when the quarterback comes to the line, he gets his pre snap read. He sees too high. Um, he takes his his you know what he's been taught in his system are his rules for a too high look, and then that's his pre snap read. He snaps the ball, turns his back to hand the, the ball, you know, fake the handoff play action, turns around this tree is going to rotate those safeties and move those safeties and paint a completely different picture post-snap. It's not static. It's always moving and shifting. And we might show a too high look and end up in cover one or cover three. Um, it's it's so intricate and it's so – there's so many moving parts to it that it, it's just to, – to really dive into it, it, it takes – a time and effort and to understand it. I still don't understand it. I've been studying this thing for a year and I really, you know, it's still, if you watch it on the TV, you're not going to have any clue you to watch it. You have to, and understand it. You have to literally watch it, like watch one play, like six, seven, eight times from two different angles to, to truly understand what is happening on the field and what the coverage rules are. It, it's, it's really fun. Um, I'm a really a big nerd about it. Um, and something that is another staple of the whole system is presenting a light box. So offensives have rules. So if you have a light box, you're going to try to run into that box. Well, Staley, Fangio, and Ijiro all will present a light box to try and almost bait teams into running. Uh, and then a guy like Chin will be in a too high look, you know, on the hash deep pre-snap. And then he's coming screaming into that box. So they run the ball and it becomes an overloaded box. Um, it's just baiting the offense to try and run. That's why Giro Staley and Vangio have been so good against the run for the past six years. Um, There's so many different layers and so many different directions I could go in with this, but um, that's about as basic and as dumbed down as I could possibly make it. The only thing I can tell you guys is 
it is nothing like what has ever been in Carolina um, with Ron. I'm not saying Ron's a, a bad defensive coordinator, but um, the static, the static looks, the staticness of the older school defenses is getting phased out. Um, and the the best thing that I can echo, and Jordan Rodriguez said it perfectly on WFNZ today, is this is a turn for the Panthers into the modern NFL. This is not old school, you know, defensive football. This is completely new school, and this is what the NFL is eventually going to go to full-time as offenses continue to evolve. And we have a guy that's on the cutting edge of that now, and I could not be happier to be able to watch this guy and this defense work every Sunday uh, for the Panthers. I, I'm just over the moon at this at this point. I, I, it's home run higher, home run higher. And I applaud Frank Reich and I applaud that front office for making it happen. Yeah, a, a lot of information that you just gave there, Corey. So uh, would I appreciate the insight that you provided there. Um, I'm so sorry. No, no. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, we're we're trying to learn. We're trying to make this uh, as educated as possible for for anybody out there listening. So, uh, definitely appreciate that. It'd be a little bit easier if we had film to show along with your comments. But you know, um, anybody out there, go on and and look up some of the defense this this guy has ran. Um, and like Corey mentioned, has worked under Vic Fangio, Wade Phillips, uh, worked alongside Raheem Morris. So he he's been with some of the elite minds uh, on the defensive side of the ball so far, and it seems like probably our biggest worry moving forward is how long we're actually going to be able to hold on to this guy before he gets a head coaching job. Yeah. And if anybody is interested in probably a way better explanation than what I was just able to give, um, we can post it from our Twitter page. Um, but Cody Alexander, I'm, he as in the coaching world, he is, I've bought all six of his books. I've read all six of his books cover to cover. Um, he is the man and he does a deep dive into the Fangio system in like 10 articles from everything that you could pop every angle you could possibly imagine. So we'll link that on our Twitter page. Um, I think there is a, a fee. It's like $5 for access, but if you really, really want to dig into it and you really, really want to try and learn about this system um, at a high level, I highly recommend Cody Alexander, matchquarters.com. He's great. Um, And if you really want to be a student of the game and learn about the NFL game, not just ball watch, um, I highly recommend him. So, Wes, your thoughts on the hire? I'm not uh, a big defensive scheme guru over here. I'm more of an offensive guy. Um, But just – by all accounts, um, he's been a part of very a lot of successful defenses. He his coaching tree is well documented, and I'm happy with the hire. Uh, I mean, Corey Corey put the put the work in and and and, and watched some some tape to to give us the 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 right way to put all that. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so not 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 much to add to to Corey's. Corey, I'm going to ask you one thing before information gets out there and things starting to get misconstrued of people who like to post videos or, or talk about defenses that they don't really know uh, schematically. Um, yeah. What does this mean for Jeremy Chin? Because that's going to be a, a pretty popular question with how his last season went 
and pretty much how the last two have gone since his rookie year, you know, where he played uh, predominantly in the box. Move into a 3-4, what does that necessarily mean for Jeremy Chin? Okay, and that's a, that's a good question. And, and I don't want to ever – I don't – I don't mean I don't try to go on Twitter and, and ever bash anybody. Um, if if you're wrong, I'm you know I'm gonna say you're wrong. But um, if you put the work in, I, I feel like you should put the work in before you talk about something. Um, that's I'll leave it at that. I know who you're referring to, and yeah, it makes me chuckle. But uh, with Jeremy Chin, um, I, I've, I've seen a lot of I think bad information about what they people think the role is going to be. Jeremy Chin is not ever going to come down into the into the box as like a stand-up linebacker 75% of the time. That's not going to be the role. Chin is still going to be at safety depth. He's going to be one of those hash safeties. Um, but with this system, he's going to come screaming down into that box. He's not going to have think – of, think of Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson in Denver. That is the bet. He's Justin Simmons. He's going to be – a box safety that lines up at depth that it they use depth as levers. They use depth to bait people into thinking it's a light box to run into. He's going to have his run fits and it's, he's not going to, he's not going to be asked to do what he was asked to do in coverage in this system is the best way I can put it. He's, he's going to be a primary run defender more so. So um, I would say he's Justin Simmons and we need to find our Kareem Jackson. So, so that may have answered the question I've got, but where, where do you see with kind of the piggyback on that? Where do you see the one big hole personnel wise in this defense with this scheme? I'd see two. I see two, two ones that stand out to me are the, other safety um you just have to have you you have to have someone who's extremely intelligent um because the the to try not go too too much again the pass coverage rules for the coverages are extremely you have to be able to recognize diagnose and move quickly in a split second so um every coverage they're in is going to have you know reading two to three of the receivers at one time and making a decision based off that. So you're going to have to have another safety who is, is really good in coverage. Um, other than that, I, I still think we we're, we need another edge and it needs to be a bigger body run stopping, set the edge player. Um Fangio and Evro did as well a, a lot of this where he his two edge guys were contained players setting the box um and I'm, quite frankly Brian Burns has not shown me a lot in that department um and I'm I'm being kind there um I think Brian Burns is going to be great in this system I'm, I just want to say that for all the crap I I've given Brian Burns I think this is going to be a good move for him but we we need that strong side run stuffing edge that's going to take you know go to the strong side with a tight end in the box. We need that. So, and with the NFL now too, so many teams are 
using and implementing off tight ends and then the bringing him across the formation to kick out a defensive end. So it would be opposite of that. And someone who can take on that pulling tight end coming across the formation uh, and really set that edge and condense that space and squeeze it down. Two things. Uh, I'll add one more thing. Do you think that someone like YGM you'll see play more uh, inside versus your traditional edge? I mean, in this would be more, you know, over center, which is what we've kind of seen him used, you know, previously. Um, you know, he has played some inside, but do you think that's that potentially opens up the, the possibility of him to get more snaps there versus being on the edge? Yeah, I think – and I think YGM's another player – like I was saying with Burns, that's going to move. He's going to travel. Um, YGM can be used inside it on guards, um, but I think YGM will also be used on the edge. Um, same with Derek Brown. I don't think Derek Brown's going to be a static zero technique head up over the center. That's where the misconceptions come with the three four nowadays. Is you got to have that nose that's just on the center, and that's his. He's a a gap player, and he's you know two gap in the center, and that's all it's going to be. Um, I think Derek Brown's going to travel anywhere from guard to guard, from right guard to left guard. He, he's going to travel anywhere from those, you know, from a three technique over to the other three technique. He can be anywhere in that space. Um, so um, just a lot of misconceptions. Just be careful with who you follow. Be careful with who you take information from, whether you get too excited or, or, or too down about the system. Um, I, I see just a lot of movement. I, I don't, there's not going to be like I'm the right defensive end at all times. You know, it's, he can line up on the left. He can line up on the right. He can line up on the guard. He can line up on the center. It's, it's, it's really multiple and it's, it's going to be ever changing, especially from week to week. Um, that's the great part about it. It's going to morph. It's kind of like, think about what the Patriots do on offense, how the year to year, they just morph into whatever they are. I mean, that's, what the beauty of this defense is with the front, especially when we get guys in here that can master these coverage rules um, and, and, and keep that back end squared away, that front is going to be able to tee off and have a lot of fun. Um, Good stuff though. I I would say the good news is, um, and this has been a, you know, with Fangio and then Staley in LA and especially, especially in LA, Man, the money is going to be spent on the back end. The linebackers, I mean, Josie Jewell with the Broncos is he's okay, um, but that Rams defense that was so good under you know under Staley, dude, they, their linebackers were jags, like nobodies, and they still had like the top, like Shaq Thompson, right. bad. Right, perfect. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, Shaq Thompson's better than anybody that was on the Rams that year. So, um, sorry, I had to get that in there. So, I, I, I don't see linebacker being this just pressing need that everyone's making it out to be on Twitter. So, so do, with that, do you think the you think we can move forward with the linebacking core of Luvu, Shaq, and? Uh, Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith, and uh, we still got. I mean, is is Damian? Damian Wilson, still? He's going to be cut. There's. You, you I, think I, so? Yeah. I mean, he's still under contract, right? That's what I was about to ask. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's he would have one deal. more year. Yeah, he would have one more yeah. year, and then I. I don't know what Corey Littleton's number looks like, but that's pretty much your linebacking core. 
I mean, I think that Corey Littleton might stick around because he was with the Rams and with, you know, with Staley. So I would say, I wouldn't say he has, I mean, he, yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense for Corey Littleton, Littleton to stick around. I do think that you sign like a mid-tier free agent or maybe you draft another guy, but I, I don't like, I, I just don't think it, it's going to be one of those things where we go out and make a splash signing or a top three round pick in the, in, uh, as an interior linebacker. If, no, I don't. I think, if you were to, so if you were to say then with that, would you rather have like a, a true interior linebacker, like a, a true middle linebacker or a guy with a motor as the next, as, as the motor, 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 like a, motor. like a, uh, a guy that I've like a guy that I've mocked to us like Noah Sewell, right? I, I think Noah Sewell would be. You, you read my mind because I think Noah Sewell is like, man, that should. Uh, the, if we're gonna draft, that's a guy. If we cut Shaq, then that is a guy that I, I love. There's there's two names. This, to me. this even more so now, even more so with Ijiro. I I love that pick. There's two names that stand out to me when looking at this hire and looking at two players that could benefit the most from it. Um, and Corey, you tell me where you're at with this or, or who the name that comes to mind. But for me, it's it's Marquise Haynes is number one, and then Frankie Louvu is number two. Frankie Louvu, um, yeah, he's gonna eat, man. Um, he's gonna eat, um, and I'm interested to see where Ejiro. Ev- views Frankie Louvu. Um I can see a couple different things, whether he's that um the edge setter that rushes the that rushes when it's a pass, or if he stays um in like the Jos the Josie Jewel, I think that's how you say his name, Josie Jewel role, that more more motor middle, you know, I, I can see both being just perfect spots for him. Um and then Marquise Haynes um, I, I don't think that you're going to see Marquise Haynes like come into like a 60% snap share or anything like that. It's not going to do anything crazy. Um, I think he's going to still be that come off the bench type of, of role in certain situations. Um, but I, I, I definitely think somebody like him um, will see more success in this system um, than what previous regimes had him doing. So, um, but I don't think Marquis Haynes ever going to become like an every down starter or anything like that, just because we're switching to this. I, I don't see that at all. See, the two names that stuck out to me were a little more obvious. Chen being the first one we've already talked about. I think it gets him back into more what he's was good at in his rookie year. And then, I mean, I think the other obvious one to me was Horn. I think. Um, so yeah, I think Horn can can really benefit from this. This, this will save – I'm not – save strong. That This will completely reinvigorate Chin's career arc. Uh, I mean, if if Ejiro can stick around for two or three years, I, I would ex- fully expect Chin to be an all-pro in the next two years. After Chin's rookie year, I mean, we were we – were, there was talk, and this was not crazy, that Chin was going to be the better player than Burns. I mean, there there really was every yeah. in that young defensive core that we had. It was, Chin was going to be better than Burns. He was going to be better than DB. Yeah, and so when you think about those early years of like the that the Phil Snow, you know, three safety looks, 
um, he was used really well creatively, I thought, um, that first year. I don't know what really happened after that, but um, it, I don't want to say it's similar because they're completely – they're in the same family, but they're, they're not the same. But, um, yeah, and then Jerry – yeah, and then J.C. Horn, I mean, just look at what Pat Sertan did as a – <laughs> this past year and um i think jc horn's a better player so there you go i mean at, right now sertan is was voted the best corner in nfl by his peers this year and and coming out all three of us thought that jc was better than sertan so uh, jc is better well yes and and injuries have been jc's jc's Problem issue problem as to why you can't say that he's better when on the field JC has been locked down and so I think I mean th- those were freaking in- injuries so by all accounts he should come back be fully healthy this year and have a better scheme for and and a better defense so I I, I just think I, it's prime for him to to be the guy that, the the guy that everybody talks about next year of like damn like. He, he was the corner of that draft. They're going to spend somewhere in that secondary, and they're going to – you would hope that they right. at least figure up the the other edge across from Burns because, I mean, you got to have something there. But, you know, do they spend it bringing in another safety like Corey mentioned, or do they spend to kind of sure up the cornerback number two, you know, with Dante coming off the Achilles and, you know, CJ being up and down and, you know, Keith Taylor not ready yet. I mean – Got to do something there. I mean, do they look at pursuing maybe a? I've seen James Bradbury's name thrown around out there. And he's a, a free agent. A lot of it will depend on what we do trade up wise. If those second round picks are still there too, because you're you're if we keep thirty nine or thirty six, whatever it is, um, Ringo and Forbes have both both in that that realm. If if you want to go that way route for for corners, I don't. I'm not sure if there's any safeties in that realm. Uh, I mean, but there's plenty of edge. There's plenty of edge depth in the draft too. Um, I mean, to me, the place that makes the most sense is, is, is Jesse Bates back there at safety. Don't, dude, don't do that. To, like, <laughs> I don't think that. Like, uh, that's too I'm, much for one off season. You, you can't handle that. My heart is prepared for that. For that. Could you like, could you imagine we we get Brian Johnson as offensive coordinator? We trade up the one and draft the guy and we signed Jesse Bates. Like how, how would you, how would you feel? Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I'm, I, w- I want to speak into existence, but Jesse Bates alone with, with paired with chin and in this defensive system, God help the rest of the NFC South, which is most likely going to be veteran retreads or rookie QBs. And I mean, that's going to be just freaking any, Thanks. Pair that pair that we, with Mike. We, pair that with Mike Gesicki. Avenue on steroids. So. Pair, that, pair that with a, a cheap Mike Gesicki and then a, a, a Jalen Hyatt or a Rasheed Rice. My God, over the top. And then <laughs> another guy, another name to look out for that would send me over the moon is Deshaun Williams from the Broncos. He's a free agent. He's a, a D lineman. Um, if he comes and wants to come with Evero, that's a huge signing. I mean, that's huge. So um, that would be that would be a big get if if the Broncos don't tag him. And I mean, 
not to get us off on this, but a guy like like Xavier Woods, like you could you don't have to just cut somebody like that. You could get something back for a guy like him. He's he's had a good season. He just might not be a scheme fit. Or make him depth. Yeah, you know, that too. Which is something we didn't have last year was safety depth. <laughs> uh with with guys like Miles Hartsfield playing significant time. I also wonder about guys like um Keith Butler or sorry. Yeah. Keith Taylor. Um, yeah, Keith Taylor, my bad. Guys like Keith Taylor. Um <laughs> Do you think he can move to safety? Is that what you're saying? I, I don't I haven't wrapped my head around it. I don't I don't I don't I haven't really I need to watch him more um, and just his snaps um, because I, you know, he, he shows flashes. I, I think I just, uh, it's hard to find a spot for him. So um, I, I just want to see what Ejiro, his vision of these guys, um, because I trust his vision of these guys a hell of a lot more than I trust Phil Snow's and Matt Rule's vision of these guys. So um, I wouldn't put it past somebody to, to, to switch up and, and change a, a role, so in that secondary. Um, but the closing on that is get a safety, another safety to complement Chin. Um, you know, if you're going to go cheap, a guy like Taylor Rapp, something like that. Um, it's not ideal, but it's not Jesse Bates. But it's if you want money to be spent at linebacker, this is not the the system for you. Um, that's not probably not going to happen. So, but that would necessarily be a good thing for us, you know. From where we are now, you know, middle of the road, I guess, is is kind of what you'd say about our our linebacking core. You know, it has some some weaknesses, but also is you know it, it may be a fit uh, systematically, you know, with with the group that we have, and then you know the development of a, a Brandon Smith. You talk about a high motor guy. I mean, that's yeah. his development is going to be key here, and that's something that I think. I didn't touch on enough um, when you asked me that question. This excites me so much for Brandon Smith because it's it's very clear, it's defined, and he doesn't ask his linebackers to do too much. Um, so that um, that is going to be huge. And, I mean, he's an athletic freak if he can put it together on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Man, I, I'm – 155% going to be at Spartanburg at least a few days this, this year. I, I feel like I'm, I'm optimistic when I say that I, I only expect him here a couple of years. I only expect to have him on staff for yeah, a couple of years before yeah. uh, somebody ends up snatching him up for their uh, head coaching opportunity. Um, one more thing I want to mention is uh, about the build of Carolina. I mean, he has the opportunity to build his own staff here and, and that's going to be important you know, to kind of get his successor in place because, you know, if he does get an opportunity here in the next, you know, year or two, you know, we're going to need to to fill that role and, you know, somebody have somebody who can run his system, you know, not as complex as it is, but, you know, at least maybe a, a dialed down version uh, of, of what it is. And, you know, you hope that if he does get that opportunity, he doesn't gut the staff and, and take them with him. So I think uh, I'm going to be interested in seeing uh, how the defensive side of the ball uh, comes into form with the with the coaching staff you know at least to me that's where I want to pay attention to see, you know, see possibly who he could kind of have um, you know take his his position if he does get an opportunity elsewhere Ellis tweeted out a list of names 
some potential guys. And Ellis has been – Ellis does have some legit sources around the NFL. And he listed some names from both teams, the Rams and the Broncos. So his Rams guys were Jonathan Cooley, defensive back coach, Lance Schulters, defensive assistant, and then in Denver, Christian Parker, the DB coach, Peter Hansen, a linebacker coach, <laughs> Tom Capers, and Marcus Dixon's the D-line coach. I would say if you're looking for who's going to be a successor, this defense is based and ran on the back end. So the, whoever the DB coach hire is, whoever the secondary coach is, that's your best bet for who's getting groomed in the wings and is the next up-and-comer. That's going to be the guy to, to focus on because, um, like you said, Matt, I would say if this if we have this guy, if we have Ejiro for two years, I'll be happy. If we have him for three years, I'll be over the moon. He's gone after he's gone after three. If he's just too good. So you you uh mentioned Hansen. I saw that he uh got let go out of his Denver contract today. So he's potentially a guy who could join staff at some point next week. He's coming. Or this week as a as linebackers coach. Uh, and you mentioned Dom Capers. I've seen his name thrown around as potential uh, senior defensive analyst. Now, there is a reality out there where John Fox and Dom Capers are both <laughs> on staff in some capacity uh, as he was on Frank – excuse me, John Fox was on Frank Reich's staff in Indianapolis and Dom Capers, like Corey mentioned, was with Ajuro in, in Denver. Let's just go ahead and see if uh, Rivera wants a job too. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> Somebody drive to, uh, to the XFL and and uh, bring Ricky Pro home. This is so the this is so polar opposite of Ron Rivera that it's like. <laughs> I did see Pro's name thrown out there, but that it was probably unlikely because he's his son is on his team. Yeah, but I mean, come coaching. on, man, they just. Bring Austin with you. I'm guessing it's Austin. Uh, who's, yeah, who's Austin. Yeah. yeah, just bring just bring sign Austin the practice squad. That's that's yeah. I mean, come on, Ricky. You did something with Ted Ginn. You did something with Philly Brown and 36 year old Jericho Cotri. I mean, you mentioned it before, Reggie Wayne. That could be our absolutely for wide receivers coach. Edgy, uh, Reggie Wayne can leave Indianapolis and come with Frank. Absolutely. Give me, give me guys who have played in the league, uh, who have played in Super Bowls, who knows what it takes to win. I'll, I'll take those. I'll, I'll take all that experience in the locker room. Uh, and, and it's kind of like what Denver, I mean, not Denver, excuse me, Detroit did, you know, get a lot of guys who have played in the league and then also get that, uh, that mind, you know, like the, the Ben Johnson offensive mind. And they're, you know, already starting to groom his replacement, um, you know, with their quarterbacks coach. And the same kind of deal. Or excuse me, not the quarterback coach. I'm sorry, they're they're tight ends coach um, who's following the Ben Johnson path, not Mark Brunel. And it's the same kind of deal with with Dan Campbell that Frank Reich's doing. I mean, Frank Reich has never crossed paths with Ijiro. They've never worked together. Dan Campbell did the same thing with a lot of the guys up there in Detroit, uh, and just brought in the best dudes. That it. it Tepper is standing by his word and Frank's standing by his word. And it's not about being buddies. It's not about doing a favor for somebody. It's about who is the best person and the best minds. Get them in a room together and let's cook, dude. We, let's we haven't had, cook. 
we haven't had that in the last decade. It's been uh, Rivera, who was loyal to a fault, and then Rule, who brought in a bunch of college assistants. I'm not. I'm. I don't. This is not. This is not like off the wall. This is not conjecture or whatever you want to call it. Like this is the best defensive coordinator that we've ever had. Day one. Day one. So. And the guy people were mad about not hiring as our head coach has been a defensive coordinator here. <laughs> no, the, the, the truth will come out uh, if he gets the San Francisco defensive coordinator job. You can't take the number one defense in the league and then, you know, if he does get it, you know, not live up to what uh what their standards are out there. It should be a top five based off talent alone. I mean, their, their secondary may improve, but, you know, that's what Steve's strength is. We'll see. Even, we'll see. even more telling is if he doesn't get it. Yeah, I mean, with Fangio in Miami now, I don't. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who the other candidate is out there. He'll be a, he'll he'll end up as a if he doesn't get it, he'll end up as a DB coach on a staff somewhere. I think that's the, Wilkes, Wilkes Wilkes. I think Wilkes has a good shot at getting the 49ers defense because they are one of the last holdouts on being like a true four three. You know, older style defense, and I mean it fits, and they just have a bunch of freaking dogs on defense. So I, I think he has a good shot um, and it'll work for him because they are so good. So that's the situation he needs to land in. If he uh, wants to get a head coaching opportunity, like yeah, start getting interviews on the cycle outside of just one uh, next year. Yeah, I mean, cause like, let's say he ended up with the Vikings job. I don't even know if they interviewed him or not. That's not a job that he's going to go out there and show that he's a top mind or anything. No, I can't believe I, I feel bad for, I mean, Flores is such a good coach. I feel bad for him with that roster up in Dem, or up in Minnesota. But I think, you know, he, if anybody can turn that around, he, he'll do a good job. If he turns that thing around and then doesn't get, uh, get hired, <laughs> that right there settles his, his case cut and dry. I mean, that, cause that defense is awful. legitimately bad and people thought Ejira was going to go there because of Kevin O'Connell I mean if you want to get a head coaching opportunity you're going to go where the pieces are I mean he's got stuff to work with here Minnesota he didn't have nothing yeah he made the right call as far as he stepping into a ready-made defense he made the right call also with the quarterbacks in this division as of today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Des- Desmond Ritter, Kyle Trask, and Jameis Winston. Hey, we might have Derek Carr's uh, news next week. I don't. I mean, they're giving him permission and all that, but they're he's not. Gonna, they're gonna, they don't want to. They don't want to include anybody in the trades. They don't want to eat any of the money. And nobody wants to take on all forty million. What do you I think, think they're? I at? think he's going to get cut. I, I mean, I don't see a way around it. And then, oh. and then, if he does get cut, there's, I mean, for, in a free for all, yeah, Tampa Bay wouldn't surprise me because they're built to win now. The Saints wouldn't surprise me because they need something. I mean, but at that point, you're fighting against 
the Jets. You're fighting against um, who else? Who else needs the Indianapolis? You're fighting against. I mean, who knows who else is going to try to retread? Not the Panthers, hopefully. But <laughs> <laughs> he's got. Uh, I mean, does Derek Carr in New Orleans do anything for you? Does that scare you at all? Not no. one bit. No. Not at all. And it doesn't scare me in Tampa either, to be clear. No, I, I, I'm. I mean, the only the only possible quarterback situation that scares me is if the rumors are true and Lamar Jackson somehow ends up in Atlanta. Yeah, and and Lamar's great and all, but they've got one piece around. Well, if they decide to, they want to use their um, all world tight end, then they have two pieces around him, but. Um, the only piece that they decided to use this year was Drake London. But I don't know. I, I'm just going to reserve my yeah, comments about Arthur Smith because some people will lead you to believe he's a top five coach in the NFL. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll end it on this. We'll, we'll get it. We'll wrap this up. But um, I, I think it's funny now seeing – so many people like national writers on Twitter and, and uh, just national analysts say that Carolina's their like their their team for next year. Like buying, buying stock in Carolina. Um Carolina's turning around, making smart moves, this and that. It's like dude, are we in a, an alternate universe <laughs> even two months dude. ago? I might even say two months ago, just a month ago when everybody was like, Oh, if they don't hire Steve Wilkes, then you know, then Tepper's an idiot. And then it's now two, two weeks ago. Yeah. And then now we're in this reality. And what's it, what's going to happen when Scott does put his balls on the table and make that trade up for a quarterback? I mean, wall to wall. I'm just saying. We're going to be, saying. first of all, we're going to, we're going to be insufferable. <laughs> I got something to pull for. <laughs> I got, hope. we've, we've been this insufferable when we were this bad and watching Matt rule. Imagine. We we haven't had a lot of a lot of nice things around here. You haven't seen us happy. It's been it's it's been eight years. I feel like that meme of Titanic right now. Yeah, it's our our pet our pets' heads are falling off, guys. <laughs> just, I, y'all, I don't. I I really, I don't think anybody is ready for the three of us if we win the NFC South next year with the rookie quarterback. If we draft up and trade C.J. Stroud, first of all, I'm going to pull all the receipts, starting with mine, and then if the other people haven't deleted all their other ones, then I'm going to pull those too. Um, <laughs> but yes, going to pull them all. I think I've talked myself into this, and, and I'm just going to say this so y'all don't get into it. But I think I've talked myself into if we don't trade up for CJ Stroud, I'm going to be disappointed. See, I—that's I, not a shot at you, Corey. I just—I no, know your preference. I don't—I don't take it as a shot because, like, I'm fine. I'm legitimately fine with three quarterbacks in this draft. So, yeah, and only and, and only all agree on we all agree on the three. And and on the other side of that, I'm not going to be upset with with Bryce. To be clear, as to who Corey's is, I'm not going to be upset with it. But I am. I, I will. I'm not going to just be like a homer who doesn't voice my cons- my one major red flag concern with Bryce. 
And it's the one everybody knows. He weighs 185 pounds. I weigh 185 pounds, and I would die if I got hit by an NFL linebacker. McShea right, said he's, he's 196. Well. We already know that anything out of Kuiper and McShea's mouth is a load of shit. So. Well, I trust McShea a little bit more than I trust Kuiper. Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. One of them's not got Will Levis's agent funneling money. But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you watch the film on Bryson, I'm, I'm a big film advocate. It's great film. He makes the right decision seemingly every time. So he's a magician. He's a wizard. But I, yeah, I just, I just think that I've kind of set myself up for disappointment if that doesn't happen. I'm oh, it, it's for me. It's shroud or bust. And then, and and I mean, again, Corey's not going to agree with this. My rankings actually shroud AR and Young as far as what I would prefer for us because of the capital. I think you trade if it's really AR, and you you trade up to three or five, and and you're giving up less. I, the capital it takes to insure Bryce is less than the capital it takes to insure AR. Yeah, and I, I mean I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to get upset with with any take on AR that's like that because it is 100% factual that Anthony Richardson is the most talented quarterback in this draft class. Highest ceiling. Yep. Hundred percent fact. I mean, and this is could be called lazy, but is the Cam Newton comp that's in everyone's head obviously even fair? No. Absolutely not. Okay. Dude, it's it's Anthony Richardson is just unique. He's just, he's a unicorn. He's there is I don't think there's a good comparison. I, I I don't. I mean, I really don't think there's a good comparison for him. You can say that Anthony Richardson has similar traits to Cam, but comparing yeah. them to apples to apples, absolutely not. That well, so let's say this is the compare is the to say that Richardson's ceiling, like potential, is Cam. Is that fair? Like that type of player, like Cam's that peak type of player. But I think his ceiling's even higher than that. Yeah, I mean. And- I'm a huge Cam stand. Everybody knows yeah. that's no secret. I think Anthony Richardson's ceiling is higher than Cam's. You know, Cam's a little bit bigger, weighed a little bit more, um, but also Cam didn't run a four three forty. They, yeah, I'm, um, so is that so? You do you have a running quarterback comp for AR at all? That's closer than Cam. I th- I think as far as ability goes, it's, it's Lamar. But you know, yeah. he can he can take. You know, he has the stature to, to take uh, the beating a little bit more, you know, if he so does he, get hit. So, and he's because he's in between Cam and, and Lamar's size, really, as far as he's not quite as thick as Cam. No, and his like AR's best throws, like Cam didn't have Cam didn't have those those throws. I don't uh, feel like it's it's. The best throw, like the when when you see those some of those best throws from AR, I'm not sure Cam had those. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I, I might I, I might be wrong there. I think yeah, I think that's underserving Cam a little bit. I, I I just there's so there's so much that he's so polarizing, and it's going to be a topic all off season. But man, when you when when AR when good AR is like I said. Upper upper echelon NFL. I'm, I mean, we're getting in unspeakable names, levels of good with AR. 
and what's it crazy has is to, it has to be consistent. It has to be consistent. He needs a coach that's going to draw that consistency out of him. And if there's a coach that can get through to him, Brian draw Johnson. that consistency out. I don't want to talk about like just gaudy, like insufferable Corey, like just old school 2013 Corey. <laughs> All right, this is going to be bad. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, people are high on Levis because of those upside traits, the tall white arm, like cannon of an arm, like the Josh Allen, like, and he's not even as good of a runner as Josh Allen even. But if, if you're drafting someone like Levis on traits, you should be drafting Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Because he's better traits wise. And then if you're drafting somebody who's ready, you draft young and Stroud. But if you're drafting on traits and upside, it's Anthony Richardson. It's those the 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 top three are the top should be the top three. The, the, no question about it. That is the truest statement uttered about yeah. that situation. So we got I mean, a ton think, of time to talk about that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think you could say if it does pan out, you could use a, a Josh Allen career arc kind of to say, hey, this is what you could expect. I mean, they Josh. Allen had the issues where well, he didn't play anybody in college. You know, he went to Wyoming and, you know, chose to stay there versus transferring out. But, you know, that, that was the main concern with him was like, you know, his accuracy and, you know, the competition level. But, you know, Anthony Richardson, you know, at 13 games, you know, has all the physical attributes, just need to show consistency. You know, it's kind of the same. You know, if it does pan out, you can look at what Buffalo did with Josh Allen and, you know, kind of get an idea with where he went around the draft, which is, you know, not far from where AR is. You know, at least mocked. I I want to just I don't I don't want to get myself in trouble on this podcast and I know where this is going. Out, but like I want to kind of like I'm scared of how good I think Ar Richard Anthony Richardson can be because I I mean those are the names man that that those are the names I'm we're talking Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson level talent with this kid. It just has to be consistent. It's only one year of college tape. It's got to be consistent. And if he finds that consistency, that's the realm of possibility with Anthony Richardson. So, yeah, and to be and to be fair, the guy that I that me and Matt both are talking about is the one we would probably be disappointed. You're not cracking the top five, I don't think, with a guy like him. You've got a consistent top half of the NFL quarterback that can win you a game and make the throws, but you're not talking. He's not in the Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Joe Burrow conversation. It's CJ Stroud. Yeah, CJ. He's not in that conversation, in that top five conversation. He's top, I mean, could be a top 10 type of guy. He's for sure going to always be a top 15 type of guy if he pans out to be who we think he is. But I, I, he's not that top five type of guy. Yeah, so I saw a draft analyst call him Jared Goff that could run. Yeah, and, and, and the comp for me is is Herbert with less of a cannon, a little bit less of a cannon. That's what I think. That's what I see. And, I mean, I don't think Herbert's in the top five con- conversation. Anywhere. I don't really think he's close to it. Um, I think he's t- somewhere in that tennis range, honestly. I don't disagree with you there. I mean, he, he Herbert's very good. 
Don't get me wrong. I would love to have Justin Herbert as my quarterback. But I don't think he's sniffing that top five. In this, we'll wrap this with this draft talk because we have a long way to go for the draft. But my final thoughts on this is I agree wholeheartedly with your guys' take on C.J. Stroud. I'm going to reserve my Bryce Young conversation for a later date because it's a whole podcast. Um, but I will say that, like I said it, and I've said it now, it's it's out in the internet, it's in the ether, the internet lives forever. So you know, I could be completely wrong, and that's fine. I have no shame in it. I'm wrong. But Anthony Richardson's ceiling is, if you're drafting a guy for a ceiling, if you're drafting a guy on potential, Anthony Richardson's ceiling is the best of the best in the NFL. Those conversations that he's in the conversation with those guys, so has all the physical traits in the world, all the tools. Now that's now that floor, <laughs> that floor. It's uh, the it's there. It's it's one of those that, that that you get laughed at if it doesn't work out, there, like the Raiders did, like the Raiders did with Jamarcus, or like the the Cardinals have with Josh Rosen, or the guys that just completely flopped. Yeah. Who else? Who else in the recent future, in the recent past, has flopped that terribly? Manziel. Yeah. No. The good Trubisky. news. The good well, news yeah, is, <laughs> yeah, they the they, they also traded up and and gave away like their next future three drafts for Trubisky, and he flopped that bad too. The good news is, from all accounts around Florida and everything, is he's extremely intelligent, like really really smart. So. You know he's he's putting in the work now. He's down in Tampa, and he's been working. You know, to Matt's to Matt's whisper point a minute ago, his um his coach at, at Florida is still uh still out there as far as a possible OC name too. So if that happens, the dots that will be connected and the name the the connections that will be made from then till draft will be it'll be too obvious. Not it'll be it'll be too close of a connection not to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I if, if if Brian Johnson ends up being the guy, it's good because you at least have someone who's been in the room with him on a day-to-day basis and knows what the kid is all about. So um if 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 we hire Brian Johnson and we draft Anthony Richardson, that tells me all I need to know about the kid. Because that's a lot of people staking their names and their reputations and their careers on him. So Ready? Right. You know we got a we got a long time to talk about the draft and a lot of content to put out there. I can't help it. We just that's that's our that is our favorite thing, man. I it love it. Could be it could be four or five straight episodes, and most likely that's what the uh, the off season is going to be with us. Well, I mean, focusing either on position groups or just on a player and talking about them for an hour and putting everything on the table. That w- that way you can refer back to it if we're right or wrong. There's plenty of those receipts from last year and the year before too. So just feel feel free go Try go back fair. and go back and listen to some old podcasts. I'll I'll eat the shit I was wrong on. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Me and Wes were both wrong on that. Uh, it's that optimism thing, man. We, yeah. but, but we yeah we recorded that and said I mean it can't be any worse than than Teddy. It was um, just spoiler. Uh, um, (laughs) uh, and I think a lot of that is the product of the coaching situation too I mean to to give Sam a little bit of credit there were some times when Sam did look okay and like he was 
about the same, at least as as Teddy. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. As far I mean, as draft, as far as draft content goes, though, we've been pretty pretty spot on. There's been a couple misses here, um, but yeah, pretty consistent for the most part. All right, let's wrap this up. I know we've kind of got a little long winded here at the end, like we always do. So, uh, any closing remarks before we get out of here? Nope. As usual, um, follow us on social media, Twitter at 704cast. I'm Corey at 704cast. If you want to follow my personal one, um, had a lot of good interaction on there this week. So um, just make sure you give us a follow. And as always, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Really helps us out. Nothing here. Five star ratings. Five stars. That's it. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening to us. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week. Later.